Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender at Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter. And it's Casual Friday. It's Friday. Hey, it's Friday, which means uh, we'll be going over uh, yesterday's uh, NBA slate. Uh, maybe slightly look at today's slate. What does it matter in the NBA? Uh, also, maybe talk a little uh, a little MMA. Got a got a pay per view card coming up tomorrow. Maybe even some soccer, some soccer stuff for some casual Friday. So uh, get those thumbs ups in early in the morning. Give me those thummy thumbs. You know, I like them. I like eating those thumbs in the morning and uh, hit that uh, hit that subscribe button. If you're new here, hit the notification bell to know when we go live. I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Infamous Tuck, Suki Singh, Apocalypse, Hoglards, Trey, Steve Anthony, Daniel Hutchins, Trey, Trey again, right? The morning crew, the morning crew is here. It was the morning crew up late last night. Were they uh, last night? Last night I played the uh, the 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 three dollar and thirty three Mountain Dew, whatever the hell thing on FanDuel, uh, one hundred fifty max. Uh, lost money, uh, but not not a lot. I think I put what put in uh, put in four ninety nine fifty and got back I think three fifty or something something like that. Uh, I had I had one really good lineup with Jeremy Lamb's two points in it. That uh, if that was anyone else, maybe I I could have had a shot at first place. But uh, the Kings, the Kings that they said, they said uh, they're going to go shorter rotations. And then they did. Then De'Aaron Fox plays 39 minutes. So don't believe anyone. Don't believe the coaches. Uh, and then we had, uh, like we've been seeing Fred Van Vliet out again. Uh, OG Ananobi out. I think he's going to be out for the next two weeks. So that opens up uh, the Raptors again. So uh, Malachi Flynn, 4,200. On DraftKings, a little too cheap. I mean, no, this scored 19.25 points, but he did show up in like two-thirds of the top 1% lineups anyway. Uh, it was 6,200 on FanDuel, so maybe not as not as, not as much of a play there. Uh, Scotty Barnes, he got Siaka, but he got into foul trouble. Uh, and then we got the, the Heat, because Lowry was out, and then Butler was rolled out. And then they had the starting lineup with Omar, Omar Yurtseven started uh, to play double big. Against, uh, I'm assuming because of Durant being back for uh, the Nets and Drummond being uh, on the court, also that uh, the Heat really don't have any size, right? The Heat, the Heat. Uh, I mean, but I mean Butler. I mean Butler's not huge or anything like that. But you need you need someone to to defend against Durant and Drummond also. So like, so they need so they went with uh, you know Yurt Seven at center and bam to basically defend against Durant. And uh, that didn't work out very well. Uh, Caleb Martin, originally we thought maybe Caleb Martin would start and not Omer Yurtseven. Uh, and then second half, uh, they basically just benched Yurtseven and ran with Caleb Martin. So if you, if you, if you late swapped uh, yesterday, you got screwed uh, pretty much. And we can see here, even with the, we compare exposures with a bunch of sharp players. Uh, we take a look at Omer Yurtseven. He was uh, 29% owned at minimum price on DraftKings. And if we look across the board, outside of Cheese, who I guess just didn't swap based on the, the starting lineup news. Chipotle Attic, 20, 97. JBC, 100%. Kobe for MVP, 69%. Royal Payne, 96. Ship by Money, 69. Brick 75, 80. The Colts, 97. Oxen Duck, 100. Petty Theft, 62. RBX, 
83. Aha, bro, 47. So if you if you swapped over to Omer year seven and uh, only got 7.75 points, uh, you were you were with most sharp players, okay? Uh, the projections around the industry was a little wide. I think we had we had them at 16 minutes, and some other sites had them as far as up as uh, 24 minutes. Uh, but he only he got he played seven minutes, got into foul trouble, and then never came back. Just never came back. And then Caleb Martin came out and got uh, 11, 11, 12x, 12, a little over 12x. After being one of the top projected plays, if he were to start, uh, ended up playing nearly the entire second half. So you can see here, Caleb Martin was 20% owned, and many people didn't have much, right? Single did, most were under because of that starting lineup change. Yet she's 28%, but he also barely had any yurt seven. But shit, my money had a bunch of a little bit more of Caleb Martin. So if you if you made that swappy swap, <coughs> instead of going by the results of like, oh, what happened? Well, most sharp players went went with Yurt Seven. He was even less on. I think he was twelve percent on on Fanduel because obviously he could only play one center, and uh, it was after lock, and he's thirty five hundred, and I don't know if you need him. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, looking through the YouTube chat a little bit. Shouldn't have been what well, Javakalips is saying. I shouldn't have made the late swap to your seven. Well, if you were to play like some of the most profitable NBA DFS players, you would have done so. Okay. Can't just go by one day's results. I'm judging myself based on what other sharp players would do. Right. So I look through all this. I mean, I didn't play on DraftKings yesterday, so I can't compare one to one. But I mean, but I play, I played, you know, I had plenty of Tatum, plenty of Siakam on, on FanDuel, uh, a bunch of Deontay Murray. He did fine. Uh, a bunch of, uh, you know, Max Struss. He did fine. Gabe, I had a bunch of Gabe Vincent and he got into foul trouble and then didn't do much. 10 points for 4,500. If you look across the board, it's not like people were like under or anything. 37% owned. And you see across the board, 38, 30, 35, 34, 38, 36, 35. So it's not like a lock button or anything, but you had a lot of Vincent. It's you were you were on board with, with pretty much everyone else. Going through over here. But I mean, you could also look in the other way. Like, you know, if you had a lot of Pirtle, it's like a lot, not many, not many sharper players played a ton of Pirtle or played a ton of, let's see. Let's take a look. Look for the zero. Like Morant, it's like John Morant, not much. Like Bogdan, barely any, even though he scored 34 points. I mean, he, he did better on FanDuel than he did on, on DraftKings. Or Trey Lyles, kind of a mix. Some people had some, some people had none. Right, Terrence Mann, here's one, 7% owned, but pretty much no one has him, right? Barely, 2%, 1%, 2%. So this is this, to me. This is how you judge, right? Horford had a one hell of a game, right? What was Hor What was Horford's ownership on on DraftKings? Nine point six percent, and a lot of and people were over, for the most part. Yeah, nine point six percent owned, and we see 14, 21, 31, 14, 16, 24, right? This is the type of thing you go go through results DB. In the morning or after the slate is over, the review. I have a little review. Stuff. 
It's hard for me to review FanDuel because they don't have publicly downloadable CSVs. But you can still scroll through your, your recent history and, and take a look at some lineups. Can I look at Trey Young's ownership? You can just pull it up. I don't know why you can't. Trey Young was 4% on. Right? Some people had a little. It was possible he wasn't even going to play. Remember, he was like a game-time decision. Game-time decision to the highest-scoring player on the slate. It's not like it's not like people slammed him or anything. I think Brick Brick had 18%. That's about the most. But I mean, Royal Payne and the Petty had him in one lineup, RBX and you know, two or three lineups, uh bro, two percent. So it's not like he was a standout or anything. Yeah, Trey Young could always hit a ceiling. Why not? Okay. Uh what's going on today? Don't have many people on the injury report. What? We still have Fred Van Vliet, right? Thad Young, Wendell Carter Jr., questionable. Jared Vanderbilt, Chris Duarte. Does that matter that much? I have no idea. We don't have, uh, what, Ant- Anthony Edwards is out, right? That's why Malik Beasley, who plays 25 minutes, 3,200 with DraftKings. <coughs> Yeah, it seems like the Minnesota OKC game is is from from the initial projections, right? I mean, the projections team will come in and start uh, adjusting some of this stuff. Got campaign again. Oh, is that going to work out against the Knicks? I don't know. We're going to have to see. I don't know. That's why going over NBA at uh, 11 o'clock in the morning doesn't make much sense at all. Got MMA tomorrow. I got my I still haven't updated all the odds. These odds are all from like Wednesday, Tuesday night. <clears throat> but the interesting thing about uh, the, the MMA slate on uh, tomorrow, we got what, 13 fights. And uh, because of a late replacement, there are two five-round fights. The Dos Anjos Moicano fight is, a, is the co-main, is a five-rounder. And... Uh, Originally, Dos Anjos was, you know, this, he's getting a replacement now. So Moicano's stepping in on short notice. He just fought like two weeks ago. So now Dos Anjos is now the favorite, but they don't change the prices on DraftKings. So Dos Anjos is a $7,300 favorite. So he's priced as an underdog. If he, at minus 157, he would normally be priced probably around 8600 8700 but now he's priced at 7,300, especially on a slate where we have a bunch of, of pretty fairly big, fairly big favorites. <clears throat> Nurmega Madoff is minus 700, Covington is minus 330 and a five round main event. Marina Rodriguez, Kevin Holland, Alon Bakov. I mean, so we got a lot of high price guys. So some of these low, low guys are not all that appealing, which means Dos Anjos at, at, at 7,300, it's going to be very popular. And same for Moicano, I guess, right? A five-round underdog fighter for 7,200. I'm saying, but that's going to be the construction. Co- Covington, people are going to play Covington and Dosanos as they're under, like, it's quite possible you don't even need another underdog. Right? You could just go right down the middle if you want. You could take Dosanos, you take Covington, and then you just take some in the middle. 
right? We take a look here. You take like a the winner of like you take Jalen Turner or Bryce Mitchell. Maybe you could fit in Kevin Holland into that type of lineup, right? So you don't have to worry about that much on the bottom when you have Rafael Dos Anjos there. But it's not like he's a major favorite. He's minus one fifty seven over Moicano. Is minus who's plus one thirty seven. Inside the distance lines are okay, but at fifty seven percent owned, if if he loses, it's still quite. It, I mean, dude, if he wins, I mean, let's say it's a let's say it's a third round stoppage, a striking stoppage, like it's quite possible that he only scores like. 72 points. And you never know. One of these other underdogs wins. First round stoppage or something and not even optimal. But compared to other fights, I mean, I I would prioritize that fight. 7,300, 7,200 in that range. Most likely, like it's very heavily possible, especially if none of these other underdogs win. If uh, Elliot Oliveira... John Ann, uh, Masvidal, and Kelleher, none of them win. That that the winner of that Dos Anjos Moncano fight is going to be optimal. Because some of these other fighters aren't even that appealing to begin with, like Greg Hart, like uh, uh, Marina Moroz, Ola Jachuk is only plus five hundred inside the distance. I mean, even Barboza is only plus uh, plus three ten. So you don't have mu- you don't have much here to begin with. Greg Hardy, I don't know how you trust Greg Hardy. Same for Ludovic Klein. These aren't like huge scores. These are knockout or bust type of type of fighters. Like Ola Jachuk could get could get a submission, you know, six takedown type of victory, I guess. But like Klein and Hardy are both like they're, they're like strikers. So, uh, so it'll be interesting roster construction. I think, le- I mean, leaving money on the table, I think having a Covington Dosanos lineup that spends almost all their salary, maybe those are the, the unless you're playing really low on stuff together, I, I would not play that in, in large field GPPs. Just gonna, you're going to run into too many duplicates. But this, this is my setup for it right now. I got some ownership, got some projections. I got to update all of this. So feel free to take a snapshot now. It's not going to matter that much. So I got I to gotta, I gotta fix a lot of stuff, update everything. But I like these types of cards. I like these types of cards where, where there's, a, there's, a cl- there's a clear, like obvious path. We have, we have a mispriced fighter, a mispriced over-owned fighter probably, but he still rates out well. If you take a look at my, my rating system, Still, for that price, I mean, he still rates out the best anyway, right? But I got Klein and Hardy there because of their ITD lines compared to their ownership. If Klein and Hardy are going to be 12%, 13%, they have a better than 12 or 13% chance of finishing in the first round. And a first-round victory for, any, for either of these guys is what? nine With a knockdown is over 100 points. And 177, 175 Right, that's what I see here. And towards the top end, Holland looks like he's going a little under owned, even though he's going to be owned at thirty-three percent. And the question comes in with uh, Nurmega Madoff: Is does he not if he wins against Keller, but does he score enough for ninety-six hundred? Right. 
He's one of the, the, the sometimes these fighters, they win in the first round, they don't even score 100 points. But they're making Madoff. If you know, first round, four takedowns, you know, three and a half minutes of control time and a, you know, a TKO, ground and pound stoppage. Yeah, he'll, he'll score 115, score 120. Then you're fine. Then you got Covington and he got, he's got five rounds to work with. But he's 9,400. So, I mean, it, 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 that, that's pretty hefty also. I don't think Masvidal is going to win. But that's MMA. Just taking a look around, see how long my voice lasts, right? I think I think I could I could get about 30 or 40 minutes out of my voice. It's getting better throughout the course of the week. Then we got soccer, soccer tomorrow. We've got soccer tomorrow morning. We got the 10 a.m. Make up 10 a.m. Eastern. Five game slate. You could use our projections. We got we got uh, English Premier League projections as well as Champions League projections when they play midweek. So sign up to Roto Grinders Premium. We got we got MMA we got MMA projections. We got soccer projections. Click on the link in the description. Get ten dollars off your first month. And the thing about the projections in MMA, golf, and even soccer is you have to understand what the 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 distribution looks like for players okay it's so like in mma for instance like we'll go like if i go back to my sheet and i look at the rg median projections for fighters and i go like jalen turner median projection is 64 he rarely scores 64 points okay he's gonna score 30 he's gonna score something like 10 to 30 or somewhere between 80 and 100 but he's rarely going to score 64, even though that is the median, right? Greg Hardy, 45. He's rarely going to score 45. He's going to score 18 or 86, something like that. Same thing for golf. You'll see golf projections similarly. Well, if they miss the cut, they're going to score 28. If they make the cut, they're going to score 72. So their projection in the middle is that it's a median. That's what median projections are. So you have to know the difference. So you're not just doing things based on a strict median projection. You can do that in NBA because in NBA, the players' distributions are normal or more normal. Nothing's perfectly normal. So what's a normal distribution? These are what normal distributions look like. The bell curve, right? If we take a look here, we ran out the outcomes a million times, 10,000 times, whatever amount of times. In NBA, <clears throat> if we have like a median of like 30, right? That means that 30 is right here. You see right at the top of the curve. So the outcomes are like anywhere from five points to 55 points, but it doesn't happen that often. That's why they're at the bottom ends of the curve. So you have 30 in the middle. Where are the, where's 29? 29's right here. 31's over here, right? So how often does this player put up 40 points? Well, about right over here. You know, about the you know 80th percentile or something. One standard deviation range. This is what this is what a normal distribution looks like. So basketball players tend to have more normal style distributions because there's it's not event-based, right? Baseball. 
less normal. Because someone could go 0 for 4, get 0 points, or they hit a home run and get 14, 16 points. But some of these, depending on the batter, if they're a power hitter that strikes out a lot, you may see the median projection of 8. But they don't score 8 that often, right? Because what's 8 points? Two singles, a run? No, they're the type of player that either strikes out or hits a home run. So those types of distributions would be considered bimodal or multimodal distributions. In a bimodal distribution, it's not normal. So figure something like this as a bimodal distribution. Like we're talking about the MMA fighters. Like someone has Greg Hardy as a median of 45 or 50, like right in the middle, right of here, right? That is the median. That is the middle number of the entire set of outcomes. But it actually happens one of the least amount of times. He'll score a lot of 25s and 30s and a lot of 75s and 70, 70, 75s. Okay? So looking at that median, what does that tell you? That doesn't tell you that much. It just tells you the middle. And you, you're looking for fighters that just because the median is one thing, like we take a look here, like someone like Maria Agapova, for instance, median of 70. Well, she's not really a wrestler, right? Typically in MMA, knockout or bust people have much more higher bimodal distributions and less normal. Wrestlers, only because they could score control time and five points for takedowns, have higher floors. They also have higher ceilings. But their distribution will be a lot, lot, lot more normal, normaler. Still bimodal, but still a little bit more normal. Very similar to soccer. A lot of people use our soccer projections because we had a conversation I saw in our, uh, in our Discord, our premium Discord, which you can be part of if, uh, if you uh, subscribe. Click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. That people are just like, oh, I'm going to play this. Here's a median projection of, of eight or a 10 or something. It's like, well, it depends on the type of player. Especially in soccer, like in NBA, players do have different standard uh, distributions, uh, standard deviations, <clears throat> but uh, they, they aren't that dramatically different from one. In soccer, they could be dramatic, depending on the position that you play, the style of play. Forward, uh, center forwards typically, typically in soccer, have very high standard deviations. Wide wingers with set piece duty, typically, or full backs, typically have more normal distributions. So if we could see here, we go to Chelsea, for instance, who's the biggest favorite tomorrow against Burnley. We look at their formation, and we see here that they're playing with the back three, three defenders. These guys are typically worth not much on DraftKings, right? We got two, two wing backs, James and Alonzo. We got Mason Mount, who's playing as an attacking midfielder, who also takes most of their set pieces. 
their corner kicks, their free kicks, which, you know, Chelsea will probably get 10 to 15 through the course of the game. So those are like free points for Mason Mount. They got Pulisic here, who's kind of an attacking midfielder, and Kai Havertz, who's, who's going to play as technically a false nine, but he's going to play as a center forward. This may be Lukaku. Who knows? They may start Lukaku. He's been playing hard. So someone like Kai Havertz has one of the best shots on the entire slate to score a goal. But if he doesn't score a goal, he doesn't do much. He doesn't touch the ball that often, right? He's the last, he's the guy closest to goal. He's going to get fed balls from James Alonzo, through balls from Kovacic and Mount, some interplay with uh, with Christian Pulisic. But like most of his, he's going to have about three or four opportunities in the game, probably take three or four shots, maybe two go on goal, maybe. And maybe he scores one, maybe he scores two. Maybe he scores none. If he scores none, he could end up with three points. If he scores two, he could end up with 26 points. But if we take a look, uh, we take a look at the Chelsea projections, for instance. Kai Havertz has a median projection of 9.22 currently. Kai Havertz rarely scores none points, Right? Because look at that bimodal distribution. That nine points is there where my mouse is. He's going to score three or four points a lot of the time, or he's going to score 14 to 18 points a lot of the time. But he's rarely going to score nine. But then you take a look at someone like Mason Mount, who has a median of 18. He could score 18 points without a goal or an assist, Mason Mount. So goals and assists are the highest variant things. They're like home runs in baseball. They're like touchdowns in football. So Mason Mount doesn't necessarily need a goal and assist to score 12 points. His his distribution looks more like this. His 18 points is up over here. Because he's going to get crosses. He's going to get fouls drawn. He's going to get shots on free kicks. So you can get a lot of stuff like that. Same for like Alonzo and James, right? Alonzo and James both have medians of 16. Those are these guys on the sides. Now they're expensive. Like all these guys are expensive. That Some of the highest projected players on the slate the moment. But they could get to these, these, these numbers, these medians in a much more normal distribution. While if we take a look at uh, Pulis, well, we don't even have Pulisic listed as the starter. We have Lukaku here, right? Lukaku, 10.57 median. Lukaku, when does he ever score 10 points? Because you get a if you score a goal, that's 12 points. Okay. So to score 10.5, you're talking about like six shots, two fouls drawn, three shots on goal, like that. Like he's not that much of a volume shooter. So when people start putting their lineups together, using median projections in soccer, they don't take into account what, what the distribution of the players are. So then they end up with a lineup. It's like, look, my lineup is projected at X and it's owned at X. But that, the distribution of that lineup is could be way different. Obviously, players that have more bimodal distributions 
are probably more suited for, for GPP play. While players that have more normal distributions could, could still be fine for GPP play, but they're, they're more, they're, they're, they're floor oriented players. So if we take a look here, if we just went, it's like, oh, I'm just going to press the optimize button, right? So like if you were to press the op, okay, here's the, here's our current projections. So here's the top projected median lineup, which for most other sports would be like, that's what you'd play in cash games. And you take a look at this and you say, well, this, this is the highest median lineup, 96.95. It has Alonzo, it has James, it has Lamptey, who's a high floor defender. You have Mason Mount there, high floor set piece taker. That's great. John McGinn for Aston Villa. He has a floor. Okay, he's fine. Not on set pieces, but it's fine. But then look at the two forwards you're playing. You're playing Pookie and Ings. Pookie and Ings are very bimodally distributed. Very bimodally. I mean, Ings may not even play 90 minutes for Aston Villa. Like Danny Ings and Timu Pookie, they don't score. They're going to sit there with two with two points, right? They're not going to do much. So in cash games, if neither of these two guys score, you're, you're, you're going to be in bad shape. Yeah, but they have projections for seven and nine. Yeah, but they don't score seven and nine. If they were to score seven and nine, I'd be fine with them in cash, in a, in a, in a, in a cash line. But they don't. They score either. Pookie will score two or 14. Rarely ever going to score seven. Danny Ings is going to score four or 16, but rarely is he going to score nine points. So knowing what the, what the distribution of the players are. So like in the forward spot, especially because we're dealing with a lot of, you know, goals, goal dependent players. So like for cash games, for instance, and someone like Philip Coutinho would be much better. Uh, Trossard, right? Rajishka. Right, these are guys. These are guys that their median projection is much more normally distributed. Even Brian Bueno, like we have Brian Bueno down here at sixty four hundred, eight point nine three. You'd be like, well, why am I playing a guy with eight point nine three over a guy like Danny Ings who is nine point five seven? It's like, well, Brian Bueno, because he's a wide player who has a share of set pieces for Brentford. Like he could score. He could, he could score eight points. He could score nine points in a game without a goal or an assist. Six crosses, two fouls drawn, two shots, one on goal, something like that. A tackle one. He's sitting there with eight points. It's like, okay, got eight points out of my forward spot. I'm fine for 6,400. Better than relying on if Ings doesn't, if Ings scores, he doesn't score, that's going to that's gonna determine your slate. So Mbueno would have a much more normal distribution. But Coutinho would be, have the highest uh, normal distribution for a forward eligible player. So he may be worth it more to play to fill your forward spots for, for, a, for a cash type lineup. Like Havertz is 5,700. It's like 5,600. Nine point median. Why don't you play him in double ups? Well, I mean, you can. Just understand that his distribution is by more. But typically, in low-risk contests, 50-50s, double-ups, head-to-heads, you're not trying to score the most points. You're just trying to score, you know, 55th percentile type of thing. The easiest path 
to that score. And in soccer, where goals aren't scored as often, right? Relying on two goal scorers in one lineup when you just have to hit a 55th percentile is probably suboptimal. Now with GPP, yeah, you do this. Yeah, yeah, then, then that's fine, right? GPP, you're looking for that. You're looking for the, the bimodal type of players, right? You actually sometimes actively avoid the normally distributed ones. Like we have guys, for instance, on the other end of the spectrum, like someone like Billy Gilmore, if he starts. Someone that's on set pieces for Norwich. But he typically plays in a much more defensive midfield position. I don't know if, I don't know if Sova has him in. But if we'll go here to Norwich. Right. Yeah, we don't have him in the lineup. But like Bill Gilmore would be in the place of Matthias Norman. Someone that sits back, doesn't do that much in open play. He's not very close to goal, and he doesn't and he doesn't create chances that much, that often. So outside of him taking corner kicks and free kicks, he doesn't do much on the field as far as generating peripheral points. So someone like that has a nice median of eight point nine eight. I don't mind. I don't mind it. But he doesn't have that much of a ceiling. Joe Matinho is a, there's another another one, typically. Douglas Louise, and here there's another one. Similar type of player. A defensive-minded midfielder that also that also takes free kicks and corner kicks and stuff like that. So he gets that floor. He gets that from, you know, in that distribution. He gets a lot of that from set pieces, from corner kicks and stuff. But as far as when he's not doing that, he doesn't do much. He's not going to take many shots. He's not going to create many chances. So the ceiling on these on those types of players are much lower. So distribution is way normal, right? Even flatter. But knowing the difference, I mean, that's that's part of like knowing soccer. Now, if we had the standard deviations of each player, you'd be able to figure that out on your own anyway. You wouldn't have to know soccer. But since we since we we don't we don't have standard deviations of the players in lineup HQ, you'd, you'd have to know the difference, right? Not just simply going by median projection. Hog Lawrence asks in the YouTube chat: Do you set ownership caps on fighters, and do you come up with a percentage based on how well they are rated? Uh, it depends on risk tolerance, right? That's that. I mean, you, you answer the question yourself. Like based on this, based on my current thing right now, I'm gonna have a lot of Ludovic Klein and a lot of Greg Hardy. But like, if I if I if I don't set a cap, like, do I want do I want eighty percent of each? I, I mean, he could. But I mean, how much how much better rated of a play is Klein? And Hardy from uh, Michael Olajechuk was 0.9, or Nikolai Nigemoreno, or whatever his name is. Like, yeah, like according to my rating, my leverage score, Klein and, and Hardy are better, but not so much that I should have 80% of one and 10% of the other. That 
but that's what's going to end up happening because of the 0.05 points more. So I'm going to end up with Klein with him being 1.04 and 0.95. This is obviously, I, I haven't updated any. But if these were the final numbers, I'd get like so much Klein and barely any Nagamarena. But like, I shouldn't have an eight to one difference probably. But that's a risk tolerance thing. If I decide, um, if, I, if, if I was just playing three lineups, I'd, then I would, I would just play Klein and two of them. And the game of and none of them, right? I mean, we're talking about, when it comes to exposures, we're talking about risk tolerance. But based on my rating, there are going to be more plus EV lineups with Klein and with Hardy than with the game of There's still plenty of plus EV lineups with the game of right? Like there aren't as many with Barbosa based on my numbers. Aren't as many based on, J- on Jacoby, based on these specific numbers, right? The lowest rated fighter is uh, Jan, Jan Jajonin, whatever. <coughs> However you pronounce her name. Plus 700 inside the distance. Have 11% owned. Does it mean I have zero? If I play 150 lineups, maybe, maybe I only get her in three. Or maybe I just decide to say, screw it. I don't even want those three lineups and X or X. You can do either. You can find hundreds of plus EV lineups. From there, it's just a matter of what, what your diversification is. How much risk do you want to take on? Some people don't have don't mind. Just like, I'm going to lock in two guys in 100% of my life, right? I mean, you want to do the Klein and Hardy. Uh, yeah, who cares that they're only 12 and 13% on? I'm going to be eight times the field and... If they, if they put up 100 plus, I'm in great shape, 150 outs. Yeah, but if they both lose, you're dead. You, you, you get zero return, which is, which if you want to do that, that's fine. It all, it's all dependent on your own risk tolerance. Just build good lineups. Don't build bad lineups because you have 150. Build good lineups. Okay. So we covered a bunch of stuff on, on Casual Friday. Right, this is what we do sometimes on Friday. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Right, got soccer, got uh, MMA. Taught I taught a math lesson. Right, that we, we we learned about two different types of distribution curves. Okay, we talk about this in the course. So if you want more more stuff like this, mathematical concepts that help you think like a professional DFS player, the theory of daily fantasy sports, fifteen hour audio DFS masterclass, me and James are full. It's like a seminar. We go through the entire thing. All the daily fantasy game theory that applies to any sport, doesn't matter. All those types of contexts. So go to theoryofdfs.com, pick that out. And uh, and we got, we got the Grinders Live later today to go over tonight's uh, NBA slate. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine games late. Who knows what shenanigans are going to go on tonight. So check that out with Dean and the crew. Crunch time for premium members. Also Grant's live lock show. That's on at 2 p.m. Eastern. So if you're, if you're into prop betting, go check that out. And uh, and, and subscribe to, uh, to Roto-Grinders Premium. You get all the tools, all the projections, all the everything, the premium discord. I'm in there all the time. So click on that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. Give me those thumbsy, thumbsy thumbs. The thumbsy thumbs. Give me the thummy thumbs. On your way out the door, give me the thumbs up, the thumbs downs, the thumbs to the sides, 
Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Hit anything that you want. And I'll be back. I'll be back on Monday. Answering your DFS strategy questions, as always, on the DFS pregame show. On rotogrinders.com. Mm-hmm.